This is the Monday, May 31st edition of the Daily Wager podcast. Another week beginning, this one on a holiday, so we'll get you in and out in less than 10 minutes like we promise every weekday. Welcome to the Daily Wager podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I'm Doug Kazarian, joined this morning by Joe Fortenball and also Tyler Fulgham as we are in the Daily Wager studios right before we are about to go live here with our TV show. But let's get the people uh, some picks for the day. Joe, we'll start with you in this high-profile game in Memphis. This game was uh, actually Jazz were trailing by two about five minutes to go or so on in game three, and then Utah pulled away, now lead two games to one. We have a similar spread here, five and a half. There are a few trends that have emerged throughout the course of the playoffs. Playing the Hawks in the first half against the Knicks has been nothing but money for four straight games. And you're starting to see something similar here with Utah against Memphis. Utah has jumped all over Memphis in the first quarter from the opening bell in every game this series. They're outscoring the Grizz by nine points per game in just the first quarter. Now, they lost the second quarter in game one. But since that time, they have come back to absolutely throttle the Grizz in the first half of this series. They won game two by 20 points. They won game three by 11 points. A lot of that has to do with the return of Donovan Mitchell. The offensive rating for the Jazz in this series with Mitchell off the court is 120, which is astounding to begin with. With Mitchell on the court, it's 131. I think we see the same thing again in game four. It's two and a half. The Jazz have been the number one team in the NBA all season long when it comes to first half scoring differential, laying the two and a half with Utah in the first half here. With that news that Donovan Mitchell, not the news, but that impact that Donovan Mitchell makes, I want to look at his point prop. It's 25 and a half. He's come back and played two games. Game two, 25 minutes on the floor, 25 points. Game three, 29 minutes on the floor, 29 points. The point prop is 25 and a half. Guys, What's I'm the go. minute prop? Because that seems to be correlated. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it at 31 and a half. I think he gets above the 30 uh, number in this game, uh, Joe, as he works his way back into shape. But if he's out there for anything more than 25 minutes, I think he's basically a point-per-minute producer. I'm talking real points, not just fantasy points. So with him getting back into the flow of things, the minutes creeping up, again, 25 in game two, 29 in game three, I'm guessing 32, 33, something in that range for uh, this game. And if that's the case, then Donovan Mitchell's been chucking it 20 times a game and he'll score over 25 and a half. That's the way I want to play. Okay, I'm a little bit on the opposite side. I mean, I'm definitely on the opposite side for the game. And I, and I understand I could see Utah starting strong. I just like the Grizz here. I think they're live, actually. It's really hard to kind of dominate a series every single game. And obviously the Donovan Mitchell arrival in game two changes things. But to win three straight games, we just don't see it very often in the playoffs unless it's a complete mismatch like Sixers-Wizards, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just think Utah's live, excuse me, Memphis is live here because the energy it takes to win on the road and then do it again, I, it's just really tough ass for Utah. Look, look what happened with Denver in game four after they won games two and three. It's just, and then Lakers, and there's a little bit of complacency settling. And now that's just the Lakers being the Lakers and not all teams behave that way. But I think the Grizzlies have great depth, right? They go really deep, and I think that's going to prove, and then just the home crowd, the desperation, I'll easily take the five and a half here. I think they're live. And, and again, Utah won games two and three by blowouts, but they were trailing in the fourth. Big test for Utah in this game, because as good as they've been throughout the course of the season, we've also seen those mental lapses at times. Can't afford to have the mental lapse here. You're the better team, get it done, but I see your point. Now, the mismatch we have seen is Sixers-Wizards. Uh, you're looking at eight, eight and a half here. Uh, I, my best bet over the weekend was Philly. They got there, obviously pulled away. I think it's just a complete mismatch. I think it's a tough ask for the Wizards. They just don't have the horses. I think with the Philly length on defense, it's just overwhelming for a team like Washington. They'll score their bunch, 
But I just think in the second half, we've seen this, this game die and then Sixers pull away. I think they take care of business here. See what's going on with Milwaukee with a sweep. See what's going on with Brooklyn 3-1. They want to take care of their business. And I think the Wiz are ready to fold. Agreed. I would lay the eight with Philly for the game. I'd lay the four and a half with Philly for the first half as well. Since the first half of game one, which Philadelphia lost by a single point, they have won the next five halves of basketball by an average of 12 points per half. They've throttled the Wizards. They've hit 120 points in each of their three games. They're scoring with ease. They're shooting with ease. I think you talk about this a lot, playing amateur psychologists. Philadelphia is a different team this year. It's time to put the foot down to erase the demons of the past and eliminate Washington. On the flip side, if you're Washington, you spent so much energy getting into the play-in, then surviving the play-in, then getting to the playoffs. What's left? You're down 0-3. Mentally, where's your head at right now? I think they're ready for vacation. The starters for Philadelphia aren't even playing. We're barely seeing them get close to 30 minutes in this. And if you get more than that late in the game, you're going to still have an edge there. First half and the game, Philadelphia. Yeah, those starter minutes are what concern me with my play, but I'm going to go back to it. It didn't cash in game three, but Ben Simmons over rebounds and assists. He's played he the six in the first quarter. He was trending. He was, he was definitely on track, Joe, but he only got to 30 minutes because of the blowout in game three. So, and, and Tobias Harris also had 13 rebounds and five assists, which is kind of an outlier for him, uh, slightly on the upper range of that scale there. But I'll go back to it 16 and a half rebounds and assists. Ben Simmons thrives in the type of game environment that Washington uh, allows you to play. They play fast. They don't play good defense. They're not tall. Not good. Re- they're not a great rebounding team. So he can take the ball off the glass, push the pace, find his shooters on the perimeter. Again, the concern is because he's played Washington five times this year. He's gone over his rebounds and assists in four of the five. Game three, he did not, but because he only played 30 minutes and kind of slowed the pace down a little bit as far as the rebounds and assists were concerned after the hot start. So I'll go back to it, hoping that Washington in a desperate game four keeps it close enough that Ben plays his minutes. I like the first half over. It's probably my favorite play on this game as much as I like the Sixers for the game. Just because all three first halves have gone over, the only way that Washington can kind of hang is push the pace. They don't want to get into a half-court set against that Philly top-notch defense. So they'll push, but they just kind of... It, they, they hit a wall in the second half. They're just not that good. And then it's blowout and scrubs are in. So first half over for me. And then obviously Philly can score quite easily against that Washington defense or what is sort of a defense. <laughs> uh, real quick, I just want to touch on some baseball. It's the last game in terms of the last start on the slate. You have DeGrom minus a buck 75, minus a buck 80 at Arizona. The D-backs obviously have been terrible, but Kelly's been okay. The offense, we're not sure about the Mets, but you have DeGrom who's got an ERA under one. I have to lay it uh, probably first five for me. I like that. I think you could look to the under here as well. If you look at Merrill Kelly's ERA for the season, it's not going to impress you at all. But it was the first three games of the year that really hurt that ERA. He gave up, uh, his ERA was like just shy of nine for the first three games. It was almost a a run per inning. Since then, seven starts, three, four, six ERA. He's a righty. The Mets against righties this year are 29th in home runs, 28th in weighted runs created, 22nd in weighted on base average. It doesn't get much better against lefties either. But given the matchup here with DeGrom and with Kelly going against the Mets who have struggled against righties, Struggling against everyone. I look at the, the under seven and a half. form of the Mets lineup yes. as well. Yeah, Doug, your uh, your team, the LA Dodgers, taking on your boy Jack Flaherty. He's one of the Harvard Westlake <laughs> grads. Might be a first five under there with Flaherty and Trevor Bauer on the bump. Uh, Bauer, really, really good. Obviously, Flaherty got roughed up his last start out, but I expect him to kind of bounce back. He's usually someone who is able to kind of um, just isolate one bad outing and then go on a run. Remember, he had won eight straight starts before that uh, last outing. So Flaherty and Bauer. Two good pitchers, first five under with Dodgers and Cardinals. All right, you got to keep an eye on the sun as well, uh, <laughs> depending on when that Dodger game. Well, it's at 610. I apologize. I thought it was maybe an afternoon game. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Daily Wager podcast. Obviously, this is a holiday, Memorial Day, and we want to thank those who have served, um, Obviously, and, and of course, those who have made the ultimate sacrifice that allow us to have this holiday 
weekend. We'll be back tomorrow as we do every uh, every weekday about posting around 12.15, 12.30 p.m. Eastern.